Hey, welcome to Hear God's Word. This is Michael. In this podcast, we study and dissect the Bible to better understand what it means and is trying to say. Whether we cover intense word studies or simple stories, there's so many layers and it's all important. So, if you want to hear what God has to say, then let's dive in. Hey guys, today we're going to be going over day five of creation. So now we're going to be getting into Genesis 1, 20 through 23. And this is the first day of living life that we're going to be talking about. So we'll start out with reading the ESV and let's go ahead and stick with this version till the end of the chapter and even into chapter two and we will go ahead and mix things up. But essentially the nice thing about this version is that it's close to word for word and they say essentially literal which essentially what that means is they are translating the original words as close to the English equivalent. In those cases, they aim to translate it differently based on the thought or meaning behind it, whereas it's not the literal translation that might come about. So those are the only cases which they take creative liberty and translating things a little different. So I suggest it is a pretty good version. So we're going to go ahead and read Genesis 1, 20 through 23 in the ESV English Standard Version. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarm according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, and God blessed them saying, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. So, now if we take a big picture look at what's happening on day five, essentially, like we talked about last week, we had the beginning of God filling the spaces. On the last day, we had God filling the heavens with the sun, the moon, and the stars. And then now we have with the heavens and the waters or the sky or basically the firmament or the expanse as it mentions it. Uh, In most versions, we have the water and the air creatures that are being made. So basically the birds and the fishes. And so we're going to break this down into a little more detail. 
in one sense, you know, after the earth is formed and the sky and the waters, you know, are the way they are, God fills them with life. And this is the very first time that there's living creatures and beings on the earth. And in one sense, it's that simple. But let's break it down into a little more detail and talk about how these things are in uh, in a little more detail. So it says in verse 20, when we go back, we'll start at the beginning, that God said again. So this is the method that every single day of creation so far, God used what he said to make everything that was created come to be. And that there's no exception when it comes to this day, and there won't be for day six either. And so we can see that God's spirit or like we talked about, the spirit on the first day is breath. Like God is speaking in his breath or his spirit is moving and creating and making all of these things that essentially God is moving and making even these living things. And that's why I wanted to get to this very first part of where it says living creatures. So it says in verse 20, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures. So the swarms of swarms essentially can refer to like an abundance of something that is just becoming a lot. So, you know, if you have a swarm of fish, it means that there's a a lot of them, there's an abundance. And so different translations use that word of abundance. And so we know that there obviously is a lot of fish in the sea and that a lot of times they do swim together in swarms as well. But basically, you know, it's talking about how they became great in number and were made to essentially fill the space of the water. And so we also talked about on the previous day how there were different kinds of plants. And here we have, there were many kinds of birds and fish. And when I say fish, talking about any sort of sea animal or marine creature and who knows, potentially at this point, God could have even made things like the turtles or maybe even reptilian sort of animals um, or maybe even amphibians. So it doesn't exactly specify, but we will actually get to something that may indicate that. So let's talk about the living creatures. If you literally translate it, it technically says living souls. And I can't find any English versions that say this, but essentially this is the first time that the word nefesh is used, which means soul 
or throat or being or creature. You can translate it so many different ways. So the the literal translation is throat. So you can kind of get the point that, you know, the only things that have throats are living things. So obviously throats are used for us to breathe. And so like in one sense, we have life like going in and out of the throat or in and out of basically us, like who we are in the soul in one sense, even though it may literally mean a throat is used to describe the entire body. Like if you stop breathing, then you are done for and you are no longer alive or around. And um, in the very least, you're in one sense giving up your soul when you end up passing away. And so here we can see that God creates swarms of living souls. And you would think that the first time that souls is used is for humans, but actually here it's used essentially for animals. So, and there is actually not yet any mention of humans, but yet we already have living souls that God is making. So what kinds of things are being created? So then we not only have the swarming creature in the water, but we also have the flying birds that are above the earth. So like we've talked about, like we've established what is the different spaces of the earth. So we got the waters and we got the lands and anywhere above the surface of the water and the land is part of the expanse of the sky. So we have essentially birds flying through the, the sky. And like we talked about, we're just going to call the firmament and the heavens the sky because they can both mean that. So where do the birds fly through? Obviously the sky. And... So we have the fish going through the water and uh, it doesn't specifically use that word. So when we get to the next verse, verse 21, this is where it specifically talks about what kinds of things are in the waters. It specifically says the sea creatures, which... Um, there's lots of different translations or interpretations. Some say serpents, some say dragons, some say sea monsters. And at the same time, I think we can just say sea creatures. And I was going to say that this is where we can kind of gleam a little bit of uh, diversity when it comes to understanding what's being talked about. So if you're able to go to Bible Hub and look at all the different parallel translations like we talked about in previous week, you can 
open it up and scroll down and just look at the different ways that these things are translated. But basically, if there's nothing else we can say about it, we know that basically it's talking about big sea creatures. So we can go to, for example, something like the King James, and we see that it says, and God created whales and every living creature that moved, which the waters brought forth abundantly. So the water, you know, is basically bringing these swarms of sea life and marine life. And so... In one sense, you know, just because the King James is traditional and it says whales, that doesn't mean that this is the only thing that it's referring to. And yes, that actually could be the case, but there's also, you know, a lot of ancient stories, and I won't even call them only myths, because there's just so much stories and information out there of sea dragon type creatures or, you know, Locky, as we talk about, you know, the Loch Ness Monster and things of these sort, even if that specific creature isn't exactly as we picture what the ancient people, you know, had experienced or pictured. Uh, we still know that there were some pretty big sea creatures that don't exist anymore, but were in times past. So I want to find a version that I was looking at earlier, because there's one that has some suggestions that um, frames all of this in a little bit of a different light gives a little bit more detail on what these things could be. And so the Brenton Septuagint translation, which essentially is translating the Greek version of Genesis into English. So the translation here they have is God made great whales and every living reptile. So here we have great whales, living reptiles, and so that gives a little bit of an impression that, like I was talking about, maybe there was not only the fish and the whales and the sharks and maybe even the Loch Ness monsters and whatever else was in the sea back in the very early stages of the earth. And then we also could have gotten when it says, you know, these all sorts of living creatures that are in the water. You know, it says in the version that we just read in Brenton's Septuagint translation that it could have been or maybe was reptiles. So in one sense, we know that 
you know, that's essentially the hybrid between water and land animals. So maybe it's starting to lead and prepare us towards that direction of life because in the next day we'll be talking about the creatures that are on the land. So we're already in one sense, at least in one of the translations, you can see kind of getting a hint towards that. So then after talking about all of the marine animals, we then have every kind of winged bird. And essentially every bird has wings, whether or not they fly. So even here you're kind of getting a little bit of a hybrid because we know that not all birds fly or fly much. So we're getting all sorts of varieties, as it says, according to their kind again. So here we have now all the water that God made. It has been filled with all the swarming marine animals of all different sorts. So now we do have the space that God made for the life both in the water, we have the sea animals, and we have the birds in the sky. So essentially, we have these two domains or spaces filled, and we can assume that God probably made them to span all through the different parts of the sea and the ocean because we know that the waters are essentially the sea and we could possibly even have some of them coming closer or maybe even onto the land at this point since there's all sorts of water creatures. So we can only guess and do science and, you know, wonder what happened on the fifth day if any of these sea animals actually did step foot on land. In one sense, it would be cool to know. In another sense, the Bible is not really trying to answer this question, so we kind of have to lay it to rest and do our own research on that and make inferences. So I wanted to bring up one thing that we were talking about last week. So I know I was talking about specifically God forming different spaces and then filling them. So we have it split half and half, essentially. You know, God spends the first three days creating and forming the space, and then the last three days, he ends up filling those spaces. So I wanted to suggest one alternative theory, which is not breaking it up three and three, but you could also break it up two, two, and two. So you could divide it by three different specific parts. So on the first two days, you have God creating the structure. So he's creating the heavens, and then he's creating the water and the air. So then we have the middle two parts, which is God creating both the land and water, and then the heavens, essentially, and putting things in there. So essentially, this one is the filling. 
So filling it more so with inanimate things like even tree life in one sense, we talk about it as living in one sense, but in another sense, trees are not alive in the same way that souls in other life are, kind of like we just talked about. They don't have throats, they can't move themselves, and they can't crawl, they can't do a lot of the same things, they can't breathe, at least in the same sense that we can. They have other functions that they can develop in one sense as life, but they don't have the same capacity as a soul. So on the last part, the fifth and sixth day, now we're getting into living creatures. So God not only creates just that general heaven and earth structure, but now, you know, he's in the middle part creating the water and the land and the the heavens and he's putting plants and stars and all that stuff in the sky and now it's ready for the real emphasis which is the life because what good is a creation if there's nothing to enjoy it so god makes the sea creatures and the birds and then The next day, he ends up creating the land animals and the humans, which obviously I'm giving away what's happening. But most likely you've already read this or learned it or read ahead. So that's another way that you can think of it. Not only split half and half with three days and three days with the forming and the filling, but you could also have it as forming, filling, and then filling with life. I'm only suggesting this because it seems obvious that the Bible is separating things by segments as opposed to the creation being just one seamless, flowing, evolving transition of things becoming. So you can catch the drift from all the things we've talked about so far and just reading the text it doesn't go synonymous with seamless transitioning evolution obviously i think that it's fair and even helpful to look at it in this way so that you're not spinning in circles looking at it from a modern perspective of trying to see one linear line of creation where we've been trained to think that sort of way, whereas they were obviously breaking it down into chunks and segments and days. The story would look very differently if we had God creating the world the way that we would put it, because if it was up to us, we would say, all right, well, in the beginning, well, actually before that, you know, God existed and he was eternal. And so let me explain what eternal means. So God always, and then you'd have to explain that. And then we're like, okay, now that we've established that God is already existing, now we have God creating everything. 
in the world. So we start off with God creates uh, by speaking essentially this nuclear fusion that spreads all through the universe. And then we have him forming and he takes uh, his hand at the same time we have some kind of method that we're unaware of that God used to take all the stardust and form it and uh, create the core of the earth. So I think it's very clear that obviously the Bible was not written as a 21st century American text. So we have to go with what we got. And at the same time, we have a very and completely reliable source of the creation and as we go through the book we'll talk more and more and confirm over and over how reliable this word is and how reliable the message that it's sharing with us is at the same time we will continue to see how this is different and is not striving in one sense to replicate what the other cultures around are saying, but it is a story about God specifically teaching the people to be different from all of the other cultures around them. And they couldn't have made this stuff up because if they wanted to truly have reputability, they would have done their stories similar to other nations, but it is God himself who the people of the Bible get to know. So the Bible is unique in the sense where they're getting to know the one true God and he is teaching them these things about life and God preserved the original stories and where the people who ended up writing the scripture down in the Bible were able to accurately depict, even though they didn't have all of the micro details, they were still able to convey the message of what went on at the beginning. So with that, let's get back into the creation of day five with the sea animals and the birds. So I just wanted to do that aside for a few minutes because I think that going into different topics for a few minutes here and there is beneficial because all of our minds wander at some point and it's kind of hard to sit down and solely just go through the words that are in a specific text without thinking of the bigger picture that's at play. And so I wanted to go into that and talk about a little more of why the Bible is reliable and why we have the story that we have with that We'll jump back into the text, and we were talking about the sea creatures and the flying creatures. So, essentially, we have verse 22, and after the creation of them, we have 
living beings that God blesses. So this is the first time that we have the word blessed, and it specifically says that God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the sea and the birds multiply on the earth. So we have three words that God gives these living souls. We have the blessing of God and essentially he is specifically giving them instructions in a way. So he's wishing them to be fruitful, which what is a fruit it essentially is seeds with a flesh wrapped around it. So what does a fruit do? Essentially, you enjoy it and then you either eat the seeds or you end up throwing them on the ground and planting new seeds. So you essentially, as the next one said, you be fruitful and you multiply. So you enjoy life and then you increase. You not only become fruitful, but you also multiply, as the next word says. And the word multiply is the word for great, essentially, which when you think of something that is great, you think of how much there is to that thing. So essentially, God is saying, I want you to become much and to become great. So the last part of the three, which it leads into, is the filling so we have not only that the animals are supposed to be fruitful and essentially plant their seeds in the next generation and become great and increase in number, but they're also supposed to spread out and fill the earth and the waters. And like, how sad would it be if all of the fish were just in one small area you know you go to the Atlantic Ocean and you get bombarded by swarms of fish because they're all in one spot but then you go to the other side of the ocean and you can't find anything you go fishing for months and catch nothing because they're all in one area you know if if they're not filling the ocean and the sea and the waters, like even rivers and things like that, you just have a very dead world. And so God wants all of the creatures to go fill the space because that's what makes the world special is the earth has living souls Everywhere you go, even in the desert, the most desolate of places, even though there's areas where there's less life, at the same time, you can tell that the earth has a pretty good spread of animals, and it also creates for uniqueness because there are certain kinds that are in certain areas. So this is part of the beauty because then we can have different kinds of foods or trees that pop up in certain areas and that makes the place unique and special and then there's even certain kind of 
see life that's only in certain areas. And so that makes that area exciting and unique. And it gives it something special to that specific place. And we can even say that for people, you know, you go to a certain part of the world and you get different kinds of cultures because people are different ways and people look different ways and people eat different ways and people have different kinds of homes because they have different kinds of resources. And so God created this beautiful diversity that so many times we just take for granted. So let's just hammer home what is the purpose of all this. So it would be easy to just talk about God created the animals and then he blessed them. But I think that has a really profound impact, like we were just saying. So what specifically is a blessing in the Bible? So essentially, we can take the picture that the Bible gives, and if you were to think of it literally, essentially it means to kneel. And so think of blessing a child. So you put your hand on them and you kneel before them or you have them kneel before you and you pass on this goodness to whoever is being blessed and whoever is being blessed, it's like there's some kind of increase that's added to their life. And you can see here that the animals are being blessed and it's causing them to become greater. It's causing them to become more abundant. It's causing them to be more fruitful, to have the capacity to enjoy the world even more and to even have better functioning. And so, you know, if they're being fruitful and multiplying and filling the earth, like, what more could you possibly want? So this is God's not total end goal, but we can see that we're starting to come down to the wire now. And so it wraps up the day just like all of the other days and saying there was evening and morning and that was the fifth day. So now we've went through five days. And as I was just saying, you know, this isn't just an ordinary day now. This is where God is actually giving something special to life. And he is causing things that are like no longer inanimate that can start making their own decisions, at least in some sense. You know, in one sense, animals can make their own decisions at the same time. They're kind of robotic in nature where they're animalistic, you know. And that goes without saying. But the thing that's special about this is even if you have a pet, you know that there's something different about having a pet in the house than having a plant in the house. You know, it's not even the same category of quotation marks life. And there's something life-giving and joyful about having other life around or if you see a wild turkey in the backyard or if you see a squirrel 
running about and going up a tree and you see birds flying overhead. There's something really beautiful and peaceful. And sometimes, you know, it can obviously be scary if a wolf pops into your backyard and you hear them howling, you might want to book it back inside. But we can see that at least there's something very adventurous and beautiful. So we can see that what God made is beautiful. And I think that anyone who looks outdoors and sees all these things can agree that it's refreshing getting out of our man-made spaces and going and seeing the mountains and the birds and the squirrels and all of these other creatures. And so with that, we're going to pick up on the same trail of thought next week on day six. Hey, I'm so glad you guys could join for today's podcast. I hope things click for you and that you're better able to understand God's word. Jesus said, whoever has ears, let them hear. So keep listening to what God has to say. And I'll see you guys next time. God bless.